Kia ora koutou. Welcome everyone to Saturday Nights, another live D&D show and podcast. Every show is recorded live from Valkyrie Games in the beautiful Te Papaioia, Palmerston North, in front of our live studio audience. My name is Johnny Paul and I will be your host this evening. I am live right now. I'm not pre-recorded because I just wanted to say welcome to Nights at a Round Table, Volume 2! Uh, we've reached the end of another story arc, um, another chapter of our great adventure. Um, and so instead of heading straight off uh, to where we're going next, which is some interesting places, and we might talk about some of those soon, um, we thought we'd take a moment to reflect uh, and answer some questions and have a Q&A with your fan questions. Uh, so thank you all so much. We were once again overwhelmed uh, by so many questions and we'll try and get through as many of them as we can. Um, if not, we'll, we'll, the, the, we'll create a special place in the G Drive and we'll get to them when we can. But thank you so much to everyone uh, who put a question in. Uh, and stick around to the end because someone will be taking away, I think we decided we were, the support for the, for the show was so great. We're gonna give away two copies of our brand new poster designed nice. by Bubble 07 art on Instagram by Faye which is an incredible yeah, it's what an awesome way to celebrate our show and the poster is awesome so two people will be winning uh, that one when we'll roll for that at the end but for now I'm very excited to present Knights at a Round Table yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah the theme song will go there all right uh, before we jump into the questions um, uh, just a little bit of housekeeping, this will contain spoilers up until episode 17. So if you're not up to date on the podcast, maybe jump away uh, and get up to that, that, that there because we don't want to spoil those for you. Um, and, Sorry, and, buddy. Yeah. 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 Are you up to date, Josh? No, I haven't. That's all right. That's all right. Watch out for, watch out for spoilers. The spoilers yeah. don't ruin anything for me anyway. I just watch it anyway. We spoiled something for Josh about two minutes before we started recording. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Um, so we'll do some vocal pairing to kick off, so if we just want to go around the table, do what we're good at doing, say our names and our characters. Joel? Yeah, hi, my name's uh, Joel, and I play bass, the Loxodon. That's me. Uh, hello, my name is Morgan, and I play Tiffy, the Tiefling Paladin. Uh, my name's Josh, and I play Nigel Anderson, Newtons and Grimes, or Nang. Oh, hi, I'm Brody. I'm normally the sound guy, but I also play a couple... Random spot characters that Ryan just throws towards me. <laughs> Hi everybody, my name's Toby Lockhart and I am playing Chip Whiskey. Uh, kia ora, I'm Jess and I play Hazel, the uh, tiefling cleric. Kia ora, I'm Ryan, uh, I'm the dungeon master so I play everybody else that Brody's not playing. <laughs> uh, yes, so my name's Johnny Paul and I play Loyalist Ruff. Um, but let's kick on with our, our question. So Ryan... Um, this is a, I think, it's always good to start with you. You are the, the guide for us on this story um, and sort of the origin of this thing, the seed from which our beautiful tree grows. Um, and Pollen Sweep, what? Pollen Sweep sort of represented um, the, the, like the start of our characters coming together. I just wanted to ask, um, what, what were your goals for this, this next chapter, the, the Clan School chapter, the Valkyrie Games? What, what were you sort of trying to achieve in that section? Um, so, I think, like, for Pollen Sweep, it was about the start of adventure, and then for Clan's Call, I wanted it to be about, like, um, going from being uh, a novice adventurer to being, like, um, a, na a, a household name, mm. so that sort of thing. I also wanted to pair it with a tournament arc, because that's something that, um, it's kind of a fantasy trope, 
but also I just watched A Knight's Tale and thought it would be cool if we did like <laughs> something A Knight's Tale adjacent. Uh, so it was just sort of like, it feels like the next step, like a medium story where we can get characters to a point where they can tackle big things in the world and it makes sense. Yeah, amazing. And which one of us could be Sir Ulrich von Lichtenstein? Um, <laughs> I, think, I think it's Lilas. <laughs> he did, he had a big, he had a big arc, didn't he, Lilas? So, um, but let's, let's do a little uh, popcorn reminder of some things that happened in clan school. So we did have a question um, asking what our favourite moments were from, from our latest arc. So just when anyone who's keen to jump in. I, I can't, just, I, nothing, I don't run quite well trench for a very long time and nothing could have prepared me for elephants in the moon. Like just <laughs> now, <laughs> starting like, like, at the back. Like, I don't know, it's just that thing, it's like I, you can, when you, when you consume a lot of fantasy media and you play a lot of D&D &D and stuff, you, there, there is always like that feeling of a natural progression, you're like, oh, these are the obstacles put in front of us and when a GM really like just sort of swipe side swipes you out of nowhere, it's it's amazing, and I think for me that that whole payoff at the end was just yeah, just beautiful. Yeah, Toby, because you normally get my things. You're like we're sitting playing a home game, and you're like, I bet that guy's secretly a centaur, and I'm like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, Toby, you've known me for ten years, and you're right. Yeah, I, I guess the Fatherlution acronym about three months before I figured out a way to say it. Uh, but yeah, it's just. Elephants of the moon, every time. Right, so I'm still in shock because I only found it because I wasn't here when you <laughs> session, and I only found out about that. I heard like a comment about elephants in the moon, and I thought it was just one of the jokes that was said on the podcast. And then I found out like ten minutes ago that that's a real thing that happened, and I'm like, oh my goodness! <laughs> like an incredible sense of wonder. I think. I know Ryan really well outside of D&D. We play together. No, I know time. Ryan the best. We'll go around the table and say our favourite thing about Ryan. Um, but there was the moment with a Katrin and we sort of knew the grungs were changing colour and we were like, what does that mean? And then just, I think we just spitballed around the table and just the idea that she was using the idea of changing grungs, roles, to be something that you could do in the Nine Hells, I think that just like spun out for me. I was just like, that is such an interesting way to use something that's already in the group um, and make it like a big challenge for us to look at and to expand the world. And obviously Grimo's tied into that. Uh, I just thought it was super, super great. Mm. <laughs> I'm gonna be a little bit self-centered here. <laughs> but I love all the Nang stuff in, the, in this. That's uh, a good Nang Yeah, Nang and Bunk, because Bunk was like, a character I put in my backstory for a reason why Nang was blind um, and then having it all be about that and we still haven't quite got the payoff because I missed that last session. Um, yeah, so. you you were off having a chat with Bung the entire yeah, time. Yeah, so I'm, I'm looking forward um, to the payoff. But there. it's okay because every single one of us is willing to be your alibi. Yeah. <laughs> Took it for a walk in the woods. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I am also very um, self-centered with my answer because um, the final um, like uh, round of the tournament with fighting the dragon woman, um, and it's with, with a spell like hold person, it's always very satisfying where they actually fail and it actually goes off. And then I, I didn't realize until after I'd cast it that I was like, oh shit, that means that an attack's going to be a crit. 
Um, and so then like creating the inflict wounds and then I rolled like 60-10 and I think I rolled like two tens. Like I just rolled crazy well and it's just like in any D and D game, it just feels real good to just nail it. Like it just feels good to be badass. So that was good. I very much enjoyed the games, the Valkyrie games and all the like mini games that we got to play because of it. Uh, notably for me, um, as I just clarified with Josh, him and I squaring off yeah. <laughs> with feats of strength. That feats was of strength. Feats, feats of strength. Of strength. Uh, that was that was very good. But uh, I think my favourite one of all of them was the one that resulted in the ultimate warrior. Yeah. <laughs> it was so and having that wild. stick to Lilas for the rest of the arc, it's been very fun. I also did really like the costume contest. That was really yeah. fun. Yeah. Our first year was our first our show at the dark room, and that was a really fun thing to do in front yeah. of a live audience. Absolutely, like in the dark room space. Yeah, Ultimate Warrior was defy. Like I was ready to tank it so much, and then I just kept rolling. <laughs> I just kept rolling and rolling and rolling. And I think, yeah, for Lilas, it's just, it's just like he just like fumbled into it, and mm. he's like he's this pretty skilled guy, but he doesn't back himself. And so to like to to like come away with that title was just career defining, really. The last one was like. Taylor made for Lilas though, right? It was like the last one was like figure out how to get. Oh, you mean a riddle from the movie Labyrinth? Yeah. (laughs) 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 If I'm role playing Nang, he's never getting it, right? Like he's just oh, I'm fifty-fifty shot. Oh, was that when you? No, when Chip, you just straight guessed the code. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Yeah, that's right. Oh man, I forgot about that. Yeah. Uh, A new favorite moment. It also comes back to how well you know me as yeah. well. <laughs> that was, I completely yes, absolutely. That, I mean, that's just the same as you. If you nail it, you feel really good. Yeah. <laughs> um, for, I, I don't know. I sort of like, I like setting characters up to have wins. So that was, it's kind of my answer is just echoing all of your answers. Yeah. I think my favourite out of, out of everything that happened was probably the first time someone else was around when Lilas talked to Cynia. Because mm-hmm. it, was, it was Tiffy. It was Tiffy being like, I don't know who you are or why you're here, but I'm here to back my friend. Uh, fight me. Mm. But there was just something that it was, there's something very sweet about that conversation and being like, none of this is either of our faults. We're just people being mm. kind of awkward at each other and that's quite pleasant uh and knowing that as a as a player and then having tiffy who doesn't know any of that as a character is ready to fight a bitch for hurting your feelings which is quite nice it was a really it was a really nice moment in the in the season i really liked it I'd like to change my answer to Eggergate. Oh, no! <laughs> no! Because I really enjoyed it because that was 20 minutes where I didn't have to do anything. <laughs> it feels good, that right? Really characters good. just want to yell at each other because <laughs> one of them is doing something stupid. That's <laughs> DMing real easy. Oh, so, it was so stressful. Brody, you're mic'd oh, up. Oh, fuck. Uh, the best part for me would probably be the mage and the minotaur fight. I found that fight very creative. And just the one liner of, 
ponder this and just <laughs> try to bludgeon somebody. With it. Uh, I don't know why, it just makes me very happy. <laughs> so funny. I liked it because every time Ryan, Ryan made a ponder the orb joke, he looked at me. <laughs> he knows how much I like memes. <laughs> You're my litmus test, Jess. <laughs> Jess likes this, other people might like this. That's what Joel does anytime he quotes a line, he looks straight at it. <laughs> really? That's because only you and Jess are the only ones who get them. <laughs> nice. Cool. Speaking of Jess, um, so we've got a question here. This has been a real big arc for Hazel, because you. this was the thing you wanted, you wanted the gold, you've now got it. Um, someone has asked, uh, what is the most surprising thing you've discovered about Hazel? Not just through this thing, but through the whole campaign. Um, I think when I first came up with the character and when we first started playing, I didn't realise how um, uh, hard it was going to be to balance being like the healer who looks after people with like the personality I'd come up with. Like she, she doesn't seem like a typical kind of healer. Here's your plants to make you better, you know. Um, and so, especially in this arc with that, that looming idea that she, was, she didn't want to stick around, like she didn't want to hang out with the party, she, she wants to go home, and, and um, especially with that conversation with Lilas of being like, oh actually I, I'm needed here and, and I have a specific role to fill here, even though she doesn't naturally um, feel like she fits that role of like the, the, the caregiver healer. Um, and so that was quite um, surprising how that came together without me even realising that it was. Um, and also Grimo. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't expect to have a familiar. He's but not it's, a familiar, he's, he's a, a friend. friend. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny as well because I'm always the one who plays the pet class. I'm like, I have the animal companion, I have the familiar, I have the drone and starfinder. I just always want to have a friend. Um, and in this game, I was like, no, no, that's that's over the top for for a live game. I don't want to make it complicated. And Ryan's like, here's your friend, Jess. <laughs> <laughs> um, Toby, if I could loop you into that, the yeah. relationship we've often said is, I think, the heart of the group, the relationship um, between Chip and Hazel is sort of the core of the thing. Like going to the Valkyrie games, going for the money um, was like a driving thing. And now, now that we've got the money. Um, obviously this is something we want to play out at the table, but yeah. did you want to talk a little bit more about how Chip's feeling? Yeah, I think, I think like, one of the things I've tried to capture with Chip, and it's an element of that like, airheadedness, or that like, mechanically it's the, uh, it's the low wisdom, right? But it's, uh, is that just kind of, Chip is a person who's just constantly kind of gets picked up and taken along for the ride, and he's happy to be on that ride. And I think like, we, every time as players we've been given a, a I guess a quest is, is probably the word for it. Um, he's just like, yeah, okay, this is what we're doing. And that, now that we've talked to Segalia and been given this, this big divine quest and it's a really big deal and, you know, bad things will happen if we don't accomplish it. He's just like, yeah, that's, it's, it's not... I, I know in the past people have asked, like, oh, how is it going to impact like if Hazel wants to go home but I think for Chip it's just so clear it's so straightforward it's just the thing to do mm. and and that yeah I, I think they're I've kind of said nothing but <laughs> well it's interesting but, because like the fact that Chip just sort of goes along with what's happening 
um, because Hazel's been such a big presence in his life, that the person that he's going along with has always been Hazel. Yeah. She says, we're going to do this, and he goes, okay. Yeah. Um, and so I think it's, it worked out really well that, um, that Lila's had that conversation with Hazel because um, up until that point, obviously me as a player, I was like, well, I've got to find a, a reason for it's Hazel to want to stay with the group because that's, otherwise that's, I'm a bad player. But um, at, at that point, I, I didn't know what that was and, and it was going to be like, okay, there might be some conflict here because Chip obviously wants to do this thing that's going to help people, but Hazel wants to go home. And Chip's two like instincts are follow Hazel and yeah, follow, the follow the the group, yeah, yeah, and do what the God has told me to do. Yeah. Um, but I'm glad that we didn't have to have that conflict. Yeah, I think for Chip, there's always been an element of just like he always just knows what to do, even if he's not, if he's not right. Mm. And so that that was always just like, yeah, you just do the thing. And, and there's some stuff in, in backstory that is like that is a a problem because that's happened. And so. Mm. He doesn't works. fuck around. He's like, this is what I'm doing. Yeah. He doesn't, like, he, he's not, it's almost like his wisdom's so low that he doesn't second guess himself. Yeah, 100%. Like, he, he doesn't no even, question. It's yeah, not a, he just he doesn't does have, stuff. He doesn't have the anxieties that a person has in their normal day-to-day life about, like, oh, but what if this or this or this? There's no realism it's not in it. what if in Chip's head. It's, it's like, just, yeah, we'll go to the hell and get the celestial steel blade or whatever. He's just a and, man about like, town. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I always imagine the inside of Chip's head is like, um, like that kind of like cuphead Betty Boop um, animation. animation. Like yeah. that's how he sees the world. Like everyone's like, hey, Chip, how's it going? <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think he's a character that is like that because... He's so affable and, mm. and likable. And I think this is also the first time he's had something where it's like his skills are directly helping the thing. Mm. So. Yeah. I was thinking monkey with symbols. <laughs> <laughs> Josh, uh, so we have a question from Garbag, the half slug elf wizard. It's <laughs> <laughs> a sentence I hoped I would get to say. Um, Great name. Um, so first of all, they want to know if you're available for the date, and they say to meet at the Sugar Shack. I don't know what that means, but if it's a sex thing, we yeah, have to no. edit it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Garbag, I'll be there. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> but we also have a, another question. So has been asked. So in the last Q and A, you expressed that, expressed that by Nang. It's his bang, but I assume they made bang. That's a couple names. Actually, B and N are next to each other on the keyboard. (laughs) (laughs) Would go as far as as they can uh, for revenge. Um, How do you feel now that Bang has been blinded, and what sort of power is Nang now? We haven't had that last conversation necessarily. Yeah. But how is Nang sitting as you sort of walk away um, from the arena, which is where we last saw you? It's that empty feeling, right? It's that feeling where you've got you've done it. You you can now you. Like if you want it, you have all the power. Mm. Um, in that, not relationships, not the right term, but the in that dynamic. Um, but it's hollow, right? Like he's he's like, well, look what I reduced you to, mm. almost. So I don't know how that conversation is going to go. Um, we have a discussion in a back backdoors that we recorded earlier, as well with. Uh, Nang and his sensei about it as well. So, yeah. yeah. What do you What do you feel like is a potential driving force now? Obviously, you've got the, there's the next thing. You haven't necessarily been involved in those conversations. Mm. What do you think Nang will do tomorrow morning? Like the he's going to get up and he's going to find Tiffy, <laughs> and he's going to be like, "We need 
to do justice. Because mm. that's that is yeah, that's that's our that's our driving force. Is yeah, to, is to is to help people. Bimbo squad. Yeah, we and we've been doing it since day one. We're kind of in the group because the group needed. Justice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and we're like, we can help. That's what we do. Needs to be done sometimes. Sometimes. And it's easiest mm. to do justice through headbutting it. Yeah. Well, there was, there was, yes. <laughs> or breaking the the, the bars off of well, the prison. Yes. And then gets your handbrake. And <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like a bumper sticker. <laughs> <laughs> Tiffy's at the wheel. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah he's your handbrake. Cool. Uh, Brody, this is a question from, I think, last time around, but we yeah. never got quite got to it. People are keen to know, how did you join the project? How did you get involved with Saturday Nights? Uh, so, uh, I'm actually brothers with uh, Josh. Josh so, didn't want to pay a sounder. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's the short of it, yeah. Uh, Brody's uh, actually a grung. Yeah. 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 I, I'm actually a tiny frog person inside of this human mechanical body. <laughs> Uh, sort of a meat Dave scenario. <laughs> but yeah, um, and one day he was like, hey, did you want to like learn how to do like a soundboard sort of thing? We've got this like, podcast that we want to try out, and I was keen to do it, and here I am now, just operating a board, listening to people talk about how to hold eggs and like leaves for like, 20 <laughs> goddamn minutes. <laughs> my, my first inclination was just to do it myself, and then I realized that there was going to be me and six other people and I was like, oh, if I'm playing and running a soundboard for six people, that could go haywire. And then I was like, oh, my, my, my brother? I like he doesn't him. do anything. <laughs> I like hanging out with him. Yeah. And he's really smart. And so it's just kind of like, well, I, can, I could probably teach him very quickly. Wait, there. say more nice things about Brody. I yeah, you got that on tape now, Brody. <laughs> oh, I said one nice thing. I said he was really smart and he'd pick it up quickly and he'll never get any more than that. Yeah. And on the plus side, he doesn't have a five-year-old boy who's going to poison him. Yeah, that, that's oh, also yeah, true. That's, yeah, it's the other half of it. That was also one of the reasons why Nang is blind, isn't it? That then you wouldn't have to do like all the perception rolls and things like that because you could focus more on the board rather than... Yeah, it might have been the very first yeah. idea, yeah. Yeah. And now it's morphed into this. <laughs> Just, I want to clarify, I do pay Brody. <laughs> um, we touched on it just then, so I'll jump on it. So talking about Nang, there's been a question, I just need to find it, um, around what, what was the origin of our characters? What was the first seed? Do we, was it a race, a class, an idea? How, what was the, sort of the first thing that we had for, for each of our characters? Do you want to go first? Since it's yeah, I can. Um, I like. I'm pretty boring when it comes to D and D. Like, I don't. I don't really push the boat out. And I think I often try and play an opposite to what I just played. And I previously played um, a character who was a sailor, and he was just always looking for adventure. Um, and so the opposite of that is someone who doesn't want to go on an adventure. Um, but that's boring to play. <laughs> um, just like Jess said, like sometimes you have to find a way for your character to want to be part of the adventure. Um, and so the idea of playing a character who, who wanted to go on an adventure for all the wrong reasons um, and wanted to, who was not in their element in, in the adventurous situations um, was kind of the first seed that, that I started with for Lilas, yeah. Nice. And have you played Wizard before? No, just... this is my first Wizard. Nice. Yeah, I normally don't play spellcasters, really. This has been a big adjustment. And I, I think um, it showed a little bit in the fight, um, but in quite a nice <laughs> way. And I think that, like... 
I didn't use, I didn't use my whip. Like I have this awesome whip that allows me to do things. Um, but I think Lila's being in an arena fight and, and fucking up is pretty on character. <laughs> and, which is why both Lila's and me, Johnny as a player, when Jess and Hazel both just like absolutely smashed uh, her fight, I was just like, Whoa. <laughs> I want to do that. Yeah. <laughs> Literally, Lila's is like, well, I've got to make sure she sticks around. <laughs> uh, mine is, um, I think we, I might have talked about it a little uh, in our last Q&A, but it, it, that's all right. Um, my character very much started with the race first and the class came later um, because... When, we were for, when, when everyone else was coming up with theirs, um, to put Josh on blast, he was uh, originally, I think, planning on not being able to speak common. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 I'll get to that. <laughs> uh, and um, so then when discussing what languages he would speak uh, and, and, and then who would need to be around to, to translate that, uh, I think Loxodon was floated, mm -hmm. and then I got stuck on that. Um, <laughs> and so I thought more and more on Loxodon and... Um, I, I'm not one to really go and, like, when I've got my first idea, I don't really go past a lot in D&D. Um, so I stuck with that, and there's like, and so I was like, what can, elephant person, what, what can they do? Um, and I thought touching on the sort of elephant man at the circus kind of trope would be quite fun. Um, and so Bard was obviously a very easy uh, choice for that. I've, I've played a Bard before. I like Bards. They're really good. So, yeah, blame Josh. <laughs> <laughs> I think for mine, I had finished a game like a couple years ago where I played another Tiefling Paladin whose story ended much, much sadder uh, and I wanted to play a version of that character that wasn't miserable. So I played a version of that character, but if she was the most aggressive optimist, uh, and that was how I built the character, was just to be the same build but cheerful. Uh, and it kind of evolved into... Uh, the world's dumbest, prettiest bimbo, uh, and uh, I think it's fantastic. She's very, very different to the character she was initially based off of now. Uh, much, much for the better. Yeah, well, my, my, I wanted to do a two-hander thing. That was the whole initial idea. Um, and so I was going to play it. And I was looking through races, and I was like, oh, I don't really want to play any of these. And I naturally always get attracted to the small races. Mm. So like I've played a gnome. And a gnome. And a gnome. And a gnome. How many of those are gnome wizards? Uh, two. Two. Yeah, cool. two and I normally play a spellcaster. And so but I was looking through it and I was like, oh, Grum, that'd be cool. And they're so kind I, of like gnomes. They're kind of like gnomes. And we just had a game with, a, with our, like a, not a plot point, but there were some bad guys in, in, in that. And I was like, oh, they, they're cool. And I looked at the, the lore and I asked Ryan. And Ryan's like, yeah, sure, whatever you want. And uh, so I was like, cool. And I was like, oh, they don't speak common, like, in the thing. And I was like, I'm not going to speak common. That's going to be great. And they'll go with a two-hander. I can be like, one person could speak grung, and then I can, like, bounce off that person. Um, and it became very clear that that wasn't going to work. Um, very quickly. Very quickly, yeah. Within like, I think we had a test run. We had a pilot. Yeah. We, we did, did a, a like pilot, pilot episode. Yeah, <laughs> I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't like not saying anything because I like to talk. <laughs> <laughs> so, we no. didn't speak common in our session zero, right? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I don't know if that's out. Is that? No, 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 no that's, that's not out. We don't report it. If you want to pay me $100, <laughs> <laughs> if you want to hear me not speak for a while, <laughs> <laughs> 
By my silence. Right. So I think it was about that point that I got Brody in for the soundboard because yeah. I was like, this will be good as well. I can get the soundboard. And no, it, it doesn't work. So I got Brody in. Um, and then I was like, oh, I want to play like a blind swordsman because I, again, had played a blind swordsman for a one shot at one point who wasn't a small character. I think it was a dragon. Okay, it was a dragon. Um, and I was like, I like that idea. And I was going to, he's going to be a samurai. So he was going to be very lawful and good. And so all those kind of things was the start of me. Um, and the, the two-hander with me and Tiffy, uh, yeah. which I really like, has been... The great. person who taught you the laws is an idiot. Yeah. I'm sorry. That's fine. That's great. Let's go do justice. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of started, because I, I said, like, I'm only doing this if... if, if to Toby, I said, you know, I'm only doing this if our characters have an established relationship because um, I, I am not sort of confident doing it without that crutch. And um, but for me, I just like picked up the book and I was like, all right, fuck, what do I want to play? And I was just flicking through the classes and I I left it quite late. And so by this point, I think most people had their their class. And I was like, oh, OK, we got a paladin and a bard, but we probably need a little bit more heavy duty healing. And um, I've, I've played a couple of clerics um, very briefly, but not in kind of a longer game. And um, the game that I was running, <coughs> Josh was playing a cleric, and they're just so good. Um, and so I was like, oh, yeah, I'll play a cleric. And then I was like, oh, what subclass do I want to be? And I had to talk myself out of Tempest, because that's, like, too stereotypically me. Um, and I was like, oh, nature's kind of cool, because everyone's always on at me to play a druid, and I don't like druids. So <laughs> I was like, well, if I play a nature cleric, that's, like, almost that. Um, and then for the race, I was just like, well, I'm playing a nature cleric, so I want to be green. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't want to be an orc, because I didn't want to be ugly. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen some very beautiful orc art out here. <laughs> so, you need to yeah. play World of Warcraft. <laughs> <laughs> no, I appreciate I like, your honesty. I, I, like, Josh likes yeah. playing small characters, and I don't like playing big characters. Yeah. Well, my characters are like... Little. <laughs> I was going to call you out. Weenies. Drow. Yeah. <laughs> oh, they could have been it. I mean, yeah, you're welcome, Ryan. I didn't present you with another drow. <laughs> and then I just kind of had, I had, I think I was the last to pick a class. I think I, I hadn't, I didn't have anything that really stuck out. You went back and forth for ages, eh? I think so. I just couldn't really see it. And then I was like hearing what everybody else was doing. And I was like, well, I don't want to push in on someone's territory. So I... I had a couple of constraints. One was that we already had a bard, paladin, fighter, a wizard, and cleric. So, okay, not playing any of those. Uh, and then we, you wanted to play a two-hander, and we decided that you, we were orphans. A lot of our backstory actually just comes from 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 cheese. Um, uh, and so I was like, okay, well, I want to play someone who grows up roughly the same rate. Um, so that limited my options a bit more, which was nice because. People, I, I don't talk about that as a, as a negative. Having constraints, when, especially when building a character, is often really useful. Um, uh, cause, because, I mean, you know, restriction breeds creativity. Uh, and so I think I settled on half-elf because at that point we had a human, two tieflings, a lockstone, and a grung. So it was like, all right, I should play something that... At least looks normal. Yeah. <laughs> like, like a little easier to draw. Make it easier <laughs> to play. Yeah, just something that was a little bit standout. Uh, uh, less standout-y. Um, and then I set it on a sorcerer because I haven't, I played one, oh, would have been almost a decade ago, I think it was in my late teens, um, and I played a wild magic sorcerer and I had fun, but I didn't really know D&D &D 5e very well at the time. Uh, and now my biggest like character constraint for mechanically is like, 
Okay, we have three other full casters. What's the shit spells that no one's gonna take? That's why I'm rocking like Grease and Knock and like. <laughs> yeah, just like. Well, they're also really different. Like a wizard being like an int prepared caster versus a sorcerer, and Chip's very like unchaotic. And then like a bard is kind of its own thing as well. It would be super easy for. Divine spells are a yeah. whole different spell list. Like, it would be super easy for me to just double up with these two. And so I was like, oh, what, what is something that neither of them will ever take? Yeah. And all the like traditionally good spells I'll leave to the wizard. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then we'd had a bunch of sorcerers, so I was looking through and was like, you played a, a Tempest Sorcerer, no, you you played Tempest Sorcerer? One of the two. No, I played a Divine Sorcerer. Josh played, yeah. uh, Josh's first D&D character was a, a Wild Magic Sorcerer, and I didn't, I wanted to play someone who was a bit dumb, so I didn't really want to play Clockwork Sorcerer, and yeah, I just ended up settling on Tronic. Speaking of sorcerers, can I offer a very a quick fire roundtable question? Of course. Favourite spellcasting class? Now, I said I like bards, but my answer is clerics. Right. Oh, yeah. Oh. Wizards. So sorcerer. Break the rules. <laughs> I, I, I like being <laughs> smart. <laughs> it's real hard because I've played, I played a cleric, I've played a sorcerer, and now I'm playing a wizard in, my, in, my, in our main games. And then and I'm like, oh, man, I love clerics. Clerics are insane. Um, they could just... They can, you can they can do everything. everything. Anything <laughs> you so want to good. do as a spellcaster, you can do. If you want to be a melee spellcaster, melee focused spellcaster, cleric is the one you want to be. Full armor and a shield. Full armor, shield and a mace, <laughs> and just uh, at level one, you can be a human variant and take warcaster, and that just doesn't slow you down. Like I think I, I know clerics are the best. I'm gonna pick bard. <laughs> love it. Like I love sorcerers. Don't get Ryan. You don't have to look like that. No, you betray me. I'm not. Am I allowed to pick me. sorcerer for you, right? <laughs> I do love me a, a, a pretty lady who can cast big spells, but also you bards. Oh wait, I changed my mind. Warlock. Oh, there yeah. you go. That don't count. They, well, they, really come in, they come in with a built-in friend. Oh, uh, yeah. To the familiar. I could play a warlock for the rest of my life in every single game and never play the same character twice. There's so much you can do with them. They can be so different. You can have the same subclass and be, like, completely different characters. I, I love warlocks. They're great. Hard wizards. Wizards are great. They are so different. I will take no further questions at this time. Very good. Um, so that question came to us from Nix, which I didn't acknowledge at the time. Thank you so much for that. Um, Nix had another question. So they wanted to know from you, Ryan. Oh, they wanted to say love you all. I've written that oh, as well. Right. Nice. Thank you so much. Thank you. Um, so they wanted to know what was the hardest thing uh, that you find about being a DM? What are the challenges that you face? Obviously, we all know a lot of the us players. here at the table have DM. Yeah. <laughs> um, Honestly, no. Like, I think for me, you all are the best bit of the game for me, like genuinely. The thing, the thing that is hardest for me is the anxiety before doing the show. Mm. Like, am I good enough? Does does my art have value? But then when I start, I'm just like completely in my element, mm. um, having the best time possible with my friends, and watching you guys fuck with me, and then <laughs> and then like just putting the train tracks down <laughs> as you guys are shoveling like, coal well, in. Yeah, it does, yeah. The answer to those two questions, by the way, is yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Um, that's that's the hardest thing for me, and I think that's very true of a lot of people, creative people. Mm, the moment before we start, mm. especially when it's a live show, is the worst. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was it was I think it might have been session one, that first live show, and I was like, 
try to organize everyone out back and I was like Jess you'll have to go first and you just turned to me <laughs> and was like why because <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're the furthest away <laughs> <laughs> and, and, but then at that point I realized I wasn't the most nervous person in the room um, so our next course qu question comes. Our next course. Our next yeah, course. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> that was the um, It's for you, Morgan. It comes from Lakota, who, who first of all says, "Keep up the good work, everyone. Always look forward to the last three sessions." So thank you so much, Lakota, for your support, and thank you for this question. Um, so they wanted to know, for Tiffy, who has chosen two gods to worship, both represent things she believes in, but if she's forced to choose one, who would it be? So there, I think, is a, is a big difference for Tiffy in choosing between gods to worship and beliefs to, to, you know, to devote her life to, right? She's never going to stop believing in injustice. She's never going to stop believing in beauty. But honestly... Sigalia can kind of fuck off. Like... Way to drop that. This second we take this fucking divide. Like, if somebody said, Tiffy, you have to choose, you don't have an option, you have to choose. She's going to choose the party girl who says it's fine over the woman who said she has to save the world because otherwise no one will ever die and everything bad is all her fault. Like, gotta be honest, Tiffy's not that, like... She's not that smart, and she's not that worldly. She likes pretty things and doing the right thing, and sometimes that means leaving things to the experts. So, fuck that. Uh, fuck this. She kind of wants to go home. Did, uh, you, did you just say we're saving the world? Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, you also don't know that. That was the start of the you do. Yeah. <laughs> I like that Tiffy has that real, like, almost typical paladin thing where she's devoted to ideals. Like, she's yeah. made oaths to these specific, like, ideals rather than necessarily the gods themselves. Like, if yeah. she lost both her gods, she would keep doing what she was doing because well, she's devoted to justice and beauty. Yeah, Tiffy, I mean, as, as a little girl, her, you know, her dad is a paladin of... Um, of Segalia, so she's like, yeah, justice, you do the justice, and things are better, and she had to learn what that actually meant as she grew up, and so she, when she was learning that, she wasn't learning that through Segalia, she was learning that through, you know, her father, and her own interactions with the world, and it's the same thing with, you know, with, with beauty, and seeing, and seeing beauty in the world, where she's like, yeah, hell yeah, this is great, and the world is great, and there are things that are good and need protecting because they are gorgeous and, and beautiful and they deserve everything. And none of that's got to do with the Muse or Sigalia at all. And it, and it never has. She just kind of got a little bit caught up in the religion of it all. We're, for the two religious characters, we're like pretty non-typical yeah, yeah. <laughs> non religious characters. Which I, which I really enjoy, mm. yeah. On a scale from 1 to 10, how likely are we to ever see Tiffy Oathbreaker Paladin? Oh. <laughs> uh, 10. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say a solid 7, but like, wow. that's fucking terrifying. One of my favourite things about, um, about deeming for Tiffy is... Uh, you've got two gods and Tiffy is a very black and white person yeah. so any instance of justice or beauty I try to present you with I always try to make grey 
and then let you yeah really explore that. She's. It's not even that she's not smart enough to realise that there's grey. Because I think she she is. That she understands. She's just decided that she doesn't have to deal in grey. She's got yeah. paladin brain. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's, that's what that is. Yeah, there are things that are grey. But here I do not see them. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna choose the way that makes things better. Our uh, next question comes from us from Kate. Uh, thank you so much for the questions. I think Kate put in a bunch of questions, so thank you so much for that. They wanted a shout out for Spontaneous. Oh, yeah. 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 How many of us at the table? Three, three of us have performed with Spontaneous. Yes. Um, and, and they want to say, love your mahi. So thank you so much, Kate. Um, a little bit of a lighter question now. What cringy thing was your character a big fan of as a teen? What cringy thing were you a big fan of as a teen? Brody, please answer. Ryan, ple please answer for Grimo and yourself. <laughs> kick us off, Joe. Oh, gosh. Um, oh, you're going to have to give me a second. Oh, I can, I can. Yeah, you can. I'm, I'm gonna, gonna write a book. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm gonna out myself for a hard hit over. So, my nickname from Toby on Facebook Messenger oh, yeah, is uh, Rosaline Cullen because <laughs> I was really <laughs> into Twilight. <laughs> Like so aggressively into Twilight, and the the reasons your nickname is just the first personal thing <laughs> you ever shared. Toby learned this fact <laughs> as I admitted it uh, in a court of law. Yeah. Uh, but you made yes. yourself very vulnerable. Yeah. Yeah. I did. And now I make you relive that every time. Tiffy, uh, I can't think of cringe like because she has never felt shame. Uh, in all of her life, would but she definitely eats in bed. Would it be like Twilight? Surely. If the play came to town. We did, like, the, the costume yeah. party was like a vampire oh, was yeah. thing. I think, like, I think if, she, if she was, like, reading Twilight as we know it, she would be a little bit disappointed mm. in the love triangle. Mm. I wonder right. how like you think Weevil Fade is like not where you want to be. No, she's that. not about that. Eh? <laughs> there's something you said about like probably in a world where you've got orcs and devils and, and like all these things. Probably a vampire and a werewolf being in love with a human girl's not that weird. Like really loses some of its its element. Are you saying it's canon? Oh, you wait till we <laughs> the Grimo backstories. <laughs> I'm about to make some Toby shit. Toby has canonised some very interesting. <laughs> <laughs> canonised? Isn't that where you make a saint? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. yeah. That'll be good. Um, cringe, cringe thing. I've got mine. Yeah. Uh, I think Hazel, uh, growing up as an orphan and always being very practical and very... Um, you know, there is no fairy tale where orphans and that's all there is to it. And I know why I'm an orphan and that's fine. Um, and saying that was probably had that stage of being like really into like magical princess books where it's like, you are actually the princess of this kingdom and they weren't your parents and you're actually a princess and you get spurted away on a unicorn. And she's like reading those, like wanting it to happen and then being like, no, that's dumb. Um, you gotta take fine Steve and give you unicorn yeah. <laughs> Mine was that our high school, I was extremely into supernatural. That's my cringe thing. <laughs> yeah. I will say, I at least was not a Winces shipper. <laughs> I had that going for me. I wasn't that bad. <laughs> Like you're just chilling out on Tumblr and someone's like, we what if these... We don't need to. <laughs> 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 you know, that's fair. So I was bad, but I wasn't that bad. Yeah. <laughs> I respect you for that. 
Oh, I think for Chip, it's just like with someone who's so easily just caught up in the moment, it's probably like every fad that he could have gotten into. Chip had a fidget spinner. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Chip probably still has a fidget spinner. Like, I think, I think when you have that level of sort of gormlessness and lack of insight, you just feel like any, anything that turns up. It's just the it. same as Tiffy. He doesn't have like the cringe fit. Like, he, yeah, he doesn't feel that. No, I don't think. Yeah, the shame. Yeah, why would I be ashamed of something I enjoy? That's yeah. stupid. And also, when you're really charismatic, people like the things you like because you're charismatic. So, thing. yeah. Uh, so in that vein. So in that vein. Oh, is your oh. cringe? <laughs> I've got an oh, offer. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're going to talk about what is still peak gamer fashion. Yeah, that is, is what I was going to say. Which is a suit jacket and a t-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> With jeans. Oh, As a 17-year-old. Oh, <laughs> those, those photos are great. Yeah. $100. $100. photo shoot. No, That's I, our top uh, Patreon reward. <laughs> is, like, photos of... Ch of I'm chip wearing a <laughs> <laughs> my, um, my, my, my job is to make things that people think are cringy, accessible, and fun. So, mm. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Why did not answer the question? <laughs> <laughs> I am also struggling to, th to think of one uh, for base. Uh, and because, in the same vein, he, he doesn't feel the shame. Laugh <laughs> <laughs> That's just my favourite thing to do is to make make our viewers sad. <laughs> but like when everyone is gonna make has been made makes fun of you for your entire life, or at least looks at you and stares at you because you're the elephant man, it's like why doesn't matter what you're doing, uh, is to, to to be cringe about and then as as to what he does do for a living, he's in the circus. So we, it's like, hey, watch me juggle shit. Like, it, it's gonna be fun. Like, yeah. If you're an elephant larping, they're gonna be focusing <laughs> well, on the fact that you're an, an elephant, elephant, not that you're larping. Exactly. Uh, there's, there's maybe something you said about the fact that like D and D is heroic fantasy. It's about heroes, and so like it doesn't lend itself super well to be like. And I was, well, I, can, I don't know. I was gonna say it doesn't lend itself to be uh, well to be. Like I was bullied and I was a nerd, but like we have, have you met like evidence of a great <laughs> hero who was a nerd. So I don't know. I think there's something interesting in that. And Joel, what Me? was your cringe? Oh, uh, uh, you know, were you just um, a Fallout boy? I wasn't a Fallout no. boy. No, <laughs> no was I it? will. I will. You did used to wear fedoras. <laughs> no, I didn't. Hundred lies, Joel. I had a different I answer. I still my fedora. That I didn't. <laughs> I again, as a as a human, did not feel it to be cringe at the time because I enjoyed it but I uh, I became uh, a fan of opera music at 17 years of age <laughs> which didn't make me a lot of friends I suppose I already, I already had them so that is um, I still like it today so it's just an old thing I picked up at, uh, as a teen so adults Enjoyed that fact about me. <laughs> Older people, I, I could talk to it with my grandma. It was nice. <laughs> I thought it was something actually cringe. Yeah. I at fourteen when I was fucking at an all boys school. League of Legends. You're no, League of Legends. It's League of Legends. Cringy. Cringy. It's way cringier. At fourteen, I, uh, I and I was at a boys school and people were very argumentative. Aww. I got really into the Amazing Atheist. Oh. And then at 15, I realised that, that was stupid. So, like, you know, there's some personal growth that you do at high school. Yeah. <laughs> what about you, Joel? 
What are you, Brody? Oh, you? you have to answer. It's in the question. I, yeah, it is in the question. I can't believe I had to do this. So I, I did own a fedora. It had a little feather. Well, I had two feathers down the side. That was pretty cringy. I, I love the hat. Still $200. feathers. Looking back, uh, when I used to do like drama productions outside of uh, high school and things like there, that. There you go. There's I the would... answer. No, no, no. That's not the answer. That's the beginning of the no, answer. No, that's the beginning of the answer. Uh, I was always put into quite a goofy lead role. And one of them was we were meant to be playing a bunch of munchkins, but we wanted to like come out in like a really bombastic fashion. So we all dressed up as the village people and came out to the song Macho Man. And I got really into the village people for like three months. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what a that's wild. I love their music. Don't it's play. great. I've heard this story before. Uh, it just goes, you're like, Westy, this is all cringe. What do you mean? This is oh, no, yeah. no, it's great. YMCA, brilliant song. Uh, Lyrical masterpiece. Very good. What about Ryan? Okay. <laughs> Did Josh go? Oh, I haven't gone. Yeah, go. Josh um, is old, so we won't know what he's yeah, talking like, about when honestly, he says what he was into as a teenager. Because I, I, I love music. I love musicals. Um, and then old Robbie Williams uh, released <laughs> released an album, uh, Swing When You're Winning. Have you heard that album? That's a good album. Uh, I, yeah, but I loved that album. And I was like, oh, I'm, I love Robbie Williams. And so I brought all the Robbie Williams albums. I think my mum still has them all. Yeah, she does. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I listened to them on repeat in the car on the way to high school every day. Nice. And my other greatest uh, music listening was Eminem. So like we're at like, very different ends of a spectrum. <laughs> what about Nang? Nang's biggest, um, I, I I wouldn't know. I think Nang wanted to be a chef and he just couldn't cook. Because <laughs> so every just... time he went for the seasoning, can't put salt in anything. Yeah, that that question actually leads us awesomely onto a question. No, no, Johnny, you didn't answer it. Mine's mine's pretty cringy. Um, I so I moved schools in year ten and had no friends apart from all of my Pokemon and Pokemon Emerald. Yes. Uh, so when uh, Diamond Pearl Platinum came out, I joined an online forum where I was one of I was a gym leader you could challenge via the messenger <laughs> board, uh, and that's pretty fucking cringe. <laughs> <laughs> so I had a monotype team, and uh, I'd, I'd talk to people over voice chat, and I'd do a little role play, and be like, "Congratulations, you won the badge," and they'd be like, "Fuck you, you suck." <laughs> <laughs> what type? Uh, what type of gym leader? Uh, I had an all steel team. Nice. Uh, but um, for Grimo, I think Grimo's probably just really into Spice Girls. Yeah, <laughs> hell yeah. Yeah, I feel like that's that's on brand. For that's them. not cringe. What about Johnny? <laughs> you stole mine because mine was the Spice Girls. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, so so it was sort of we. I'm the youngest of four, and I have two older brothers and an older sister, and like. My sister and I were the duo that used to hang out, and she was super into Spice Girls, and I was the youngest in the family, so I was Baby Spice. It just makes sense. My best friend of primary school had like the Spice thing, was like Spice Girl postcards, yes. and that was probably his cringiest moment. Like, I, I had, I had a Baby Spice doll. <laughs> <laughs> All right. She was my favourite. <laughs> uh, we did have a question from Lauren. Um, so thank you so much, Lauren. Around which which ties previously uh, into what Nang mentioned before. Josh mentioned before about Nang. Uh, if your character, what would be their go-to dish that they would cook? <laughs> Can your character cook? Ooh. Nang's really into baked bread. 
<laughs> just loves a big bang. He loves a sourdough. Yeah. <laughs> I think Tiffy's an instant ramen kind of bitch. Yeah, right, right. She cracks her egg into it and it's like, yeah. I'm <laughs> like, bro, I cut off some parsley for this shit. Like, this is a gourmet. Yeah, yeah, it cost me 99 cents. That's not the point. <laughs> Surely one of us can cook, right? It's not base. No, I mean, I mean <laughs> out of the two of us, we, we had to have eaten something we, growing up. Well, when the gimmick is that we have a whole fucking garden. Like, I think that Hazel um, is probably an extremely good cook. But it is entirely um, like practical food, you know. Like she, she, yeah. she is like, here is a meal that has your, you know, here's your five plus a day. Here's all your colours. Does it taste good? I don't care, yeah. you know. She's not making like real fancy like, and it would have been really, um, you know, she's probably like they were so poor. Like she would have been one of those mm. people who was like, here's a full Christmas dinner that I made from stuff I pulled out of the dumpster. Yeah. You know, she's just like, here's stuff I fit. People do that. It's dumpster insane. Dumpster dinner. Yeah. Your right. signature dish. Um, so it would have been like all the stuff that she grew. It would have been like, here's the stuff for magic, and here's the stuff that we're gonna eat. Um, and it's like, here's your vegetables, and here's like some like something that I I found or scrounged or whatever. And so it tastes fine. But that's not the you know she's not a chef. She is a cook. <laughs> she will cook your food. I think mechanically I have half proficiency with cook tools. So yeah, I can cook. I guess. Like I, I think Chip's probably the opposite, right? If, if uh, you, people are living in kind of in the same space in the same way, then Chip is like, ah, oh, you just fucking throw it in, see what happens. <laughs> sometimes it's great, and sometimes it's garbage. Yeah. Speaking of garbage, I think you know the, when they the rats and Shrek. I think yeah. that's Grimo's rats on a stick. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I do not think Bass can cook. In that, I suspect, as a you know, as a kid, uh, he, of all his circus siblings, um, he will have had to have been fed the most. Uh, he is an elephant man, required a lot of food. Probably would have been very difficult. And subsequently, if he were to try and cook for others, he probably would be more inclined to like offer some vegetation that is not really suitable for normal people <laughs> just, <laughs> just like, grass just coarse like yeah grass and stuff and, and what would be like a salad but it's still like not edible uh, uh flora so to speak so i just wanted you to say peanut butter so <laughs> <laughs> yeah lilas has just had cafeteria food his whole life like yeah. he just has campus food wedges um, yeah <laughs> <laughs> nice <laughs> Damn good widgets. Oh, those fucking widgets. Amazing. Uh, a question for you, Joel. Ooh. Um, so Bass's fame has continued to grow and grow, which is kind of every bar that I've ever played's dream. Um, but as a literal born and raised circus performer, how does Bass feel about his growing reputation? Um, so the... <laughs> I don't think it's been be down to his, his bard ability as to why he is gaining this reputation. So I don't think for him the the performing aspect with his guitar or even with the circus tricks that he can do, um, that's not the forefront of, of his of his bard for what we're doing at the moment because we're all it's the games that have been really putting us out there. Um, but as for like him thinking about being famous or well known, um, that doesn't faze him at all in that he has been in the circus his entire life as the Elephant Man. He, he, under, he again, everyone, he knows that everyone's looking at him. doesn't really matter as to why. It's nice that it's no longer because he's an Elephant Man, or, or at least it's less of that. But, um, yeah, the, the, the actual, like, 
the entertainer background um, isn't for me uh, it's not what I'm trying to push forward as, as like bases um, motivation mm. um, but yeah so he's he's cool with being famous it's nice it's it's he, he likes to you know wave for the kids and stuff but <laughs> <laughs> but uh, his babies <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah no, he's doesn't it's not a, it's not the biggest thing in the world for him mm. uh, and we have to talk about how you feel about moon elephants do we? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Like as Toby said at the top, it's so so out. I was could never in a million years imagine uh, moon elephants. But um, for base, it is probably a, a very initial amount of relief in that now he knows. Mm. Followed by by a lot of confusion, more confusion, <laughs> a different kind of confusion. Well, now I know where they are. How am I going to get them down? <laughs> um, but Really big ladder. <laughs> you just throw another elephant up there and hope it makes them loose. <laughs> but um, it's even if he he doesn't have he obviously we don't have the answers as to how we're going to fix that um, um, at the moment perhaps. Um, and if it, even if it doesn't, if we don't for a while, I think that's going to be fine with base. He's like, I, I at least I know now. Mm. I can I, I, I might have alluded. Uh, I said it in the show. I think. Um, about, you know, they were always sort of looking down on me. Um, in a, not in that, in a negative way. Not a shithead baby that we drop kicked to earth to do anything. No, but like they're there and they're watching and, and it's nice to know that they're around and I'm not alone. So he's ha he's content with that. I guess it is an element of they didn't abandon you too, which is like... They didn't choose to leave. Yeah. They did choose to drop kick him back down to earth, Superman styles. Yeah, I think by, like in terms of obviously thinking about how he ended up in the circus would have been a pretty big thing as a kid growing up. Like why? Yeah, why am I? Why did they leave me here? Where are they? Why they? Why they do it? But like, I I haven't decided to put to characterize put that in his characterization so much. Um, and I think I've I've done that because I, I I've I've thought um, that those fears or worries are very quickly taken away by the fact that he had a family like from the start there was always people there for him and around him so there was no necessary need to feel abandonment because I can't answer that question so why am I going to focus on it why am I going to bother thinking about it when I can just hang out with these cool circus people that's really interesting because um, that's something like for Hazel. Um, like I, I, I've got in my head like she knows why she's an orphan she was told um, but it's still that like you know why why didn't they want me or why, why was I left behind or whatever yeah. and so it's maybe the same for Chip as well and I think it's interesting that like half the party have this like kind of orphany aspect I've never really thought about it for base because he has a circus family mm. Mm -hmm. I always tried to play it the opposite to you one because there's six of us at a table right want to have points of difference but also I think it's that, that part of Chip I touched on the last episode where it was like he it doesn't kind of matter at this point that they're gone and so he, if anyone asks him he always tells a different story because it's the yeah. story that they want to hear and, and it gives there's something interesting about Hazel knowing and still having those feelings and Chip being like nah and, well there's and, and there's going. a reason that like when everyone's like oh that's Chip's dad this guy's Chip's dad and Hazel's like Chip doesn't have a dad yeah I don't have a dad either you know that's like quite um, yeah very personal for them yeah so something that we've been able to do recently, which we were really excited to be able to, to bring to the world, was backdories. 
uh, we sort of came out of, it was an idea, a name maybe first of all, um, but it's, been, it's been really exciting to explore the origins of our characters and things that we've talked about and to play them out in a really, um, and to play them out in an actual way. Um, so a question from Juno, um, so they said that they've been really enjoying the backstories so far and they'll be interested to ask how much of it was guided through already written backstories and how much of it was created during the sessions. Um, I guess that's a question for me, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I would say it's probably, it's probably about 50-50, right? Because people, <coughs> you've all, you all wrote backstories that I asked for, and it was like, this happened to me, this happened to me, and this happened to me, and that's why I'm coming on this adventure. Mm. So I went, this happened, and I was like, okay, how can that happen? Where can I put these, these stresses in, and how can I reverse engineer some things that have happened in the story that have come out organically? And and play with them and or just create moments for character moments so um it's like if someone's like here's the story i want i get to go great here's the 3d version of that 2d thing for you to play in yeah and you know how it ends but you get to you get to sort of weave your way through yeah especially because like when you write a backstory like for for me and toby with hazel and ship it was like they need money because their house is being taken from them and that's all that there, you know, that was that, yeah, that was it, that was and then sentence. being able to put that into an actual game and play that out and see the details of it. I really liked the the fact that it lets, like, having those different character pairings for those backstories gives you a slightly different version of that character because it's that character when they're with the person that they're close to and not in a group. Like, it was the first thing I noticed about the, our backstories that we recorded. I was like, oh man, Chip's way like way less happy-go-lucky and way more like dealing with the problem in front of him because mm. he has to be because there's only two of them uh, and so yeah I don't know I, I find that really interesting these, these different facets of different characters yeah there's also this really nice thing of like when you're writing a backstory you're figuring, figuring out your character right yeah. mm. and then you've played them for two years and you get to go back into a mm. prelude when you've got a really good idea of who the character yeah. is 100% I think that's real fun Definitely. <laughs> I love because I wrote because I, I got way into Nag and Grung and all sorts of different things. Uh, and then so I wrote my backstory, but when I was writing Nag's backstory, I got to write the history, like, and I disposed each, like, event with an event from the history of, of, the, of the Grung. So then going back and playing Nag and what happened to him in, like, a very... Well, in the, in the story, it's like, it, you, it doesn't have a time frame. And then realising that Ryan's just put it into one day. <laughs> like the idea that he's gone blind, he's been cared for, and he's heard what's happened to Bung, uh, uh, what's about to happen to Bung, and he thinks that Bung is getting rewarded, almost. Mm. And that's, that's you'll, you'll keep hearing. Yeah. Would have heard it yeah. by now, but yeah. Um, and that was, that was, to me, that was real fun. That was like, whoa, jeez, okay. Thanks, <laughs> very bad, not good day. Yeah. yeah. I loved how, I suspect it was the, the, the case for everyone, where we, what, we provided an amount of content and just having that Ryan run with it was, it's always very good. Like, mm. because there's no, it would be fine if we, if we were to show up with a fully fledged, like, start to finish how we got from, uh, like, to the adventure and then how we started um, we could have written that pages and pages of stuff but there's no really like that's not as fun as being like here's a here's a here's a framework or or, or a start uh, um, a spark and then for ryan to come up with stuff that still can surprise us even in yeah. a story that we came up yeah. with especially in that one day format like yeah. i'm quite looking forward to listening to the killing croak 
And I'm like, <laughs> 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 uh, I loved how because there was sort of there were already parameters set up, I was allowed able to do a lot more improv. So like when I meet a character, I could be like, "How was your date last night?" <laughs> I feel really comfortable doing that for Ryan in this setting, whereas like in front of with his, when he's holding together all of the other threads of the main story, I feel a bit mean doing that. But to create twenty minutes where Wiz and Rugglesworth can talk about his date <laughs> like, um, or lack thereof is, is really yeah. exciting. Yeah, very good. It's very fun. Very good. Um, so this is, we're probably going to wrap up pretty soon, just a few more questions to finish up. Um, but there was a question around um, a growth of our characters, and specifically I'll start by answering, but I'd encourage anyone to jump in, um, about someone was asking about Lilas's growth and whether I had any hope um, for his growth, and how would I feel, um, so how do I feel he's gone in terms of the direction I thought he would? I don't know, he's 40, I don't think he'll be taller. <laughs> <laughs> that's a really interesting point, because that's kind of what I'm trying to do. Like, he's such a character who, who should have an arc, right? He should grow. He has the most room to grow, certainly. But he's also 40 years old. Like, he's so set in his, in his ways. And so I'm kind of keen to try and realistically portray that there's a very real chance he goes on three adventures and is like, eh, it wasn't for me. <laughs> like, um, and so he's obviously super skilled and is growing in his skills, um, but he'll never be, he's always, it's a thing that I think we relate to a lot as creators, is like, he's a mix of crippling self-doubt and like, un, uh, like unabashed confidence. And you just smash those two things together in every situation. And so like, when he wins Ultimate Warrior, he's like, yeah, I, no one I had this in me all along. But then someone's like, oh, you should go talk to this person. I'm like, oh, no. no, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I think there's also, there's always going to be some saver anticlimax in terms of her, what he's doing because, like, he's setting unrealistic goals for his own growth. He expects mm. to go away, have an adventure, and come back and be a completely different person and for everyone to treat him differently. And that's why I think the conversation with Cine was so good because... Um, in a Hollywood movie, that plays out one way, but in real life, if you see someone three or four months after you've been like, I'm going to change for this person, and she's going to love me, and that's going to be the defining moment of my existence, and then you meet the person, you're just going to have an awkward conversation. <laughs> that's all it's going to be. Um, and so it's been a really nice mix of these great highs um, and then these sort of moments where he's sort of starting to realise, maybe, he'll realise slowly that, the world, it's not ever going to change in the way he wants it to. And he'll never necessarily change in the way he wants to. Especially if Lila says that real, um, you know, he, he, he has that idea of like what happens in a story mm. and like what happens in a book. Exactly, yeah. And so that's sort of how he sees the world and it's like, oh, that's not real life. Mm. Yeah, like books have ends, but like, like I think he expects it to go a certain way and for... A hero's journey. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, but normally it just, you have to wake up. That's why I think I asked about Nang, like, you achieve the thing you want to achieve, but you still got to get out of bed the next day. And yeah. That's, that's a fun thing to, I like playing that DD. Yeah. There's something quite fun about playing Tiffy who doesn't really have a thing to achieve. Mm. Like she's, there's, there's a next step in the, in the kind of vibe, but her goal is to be better and to make, it, make the world better. Um, but having just come from playing the back dories, oh, sorry, Brody, I got punched by Mike. Uh, having just come from playing the back dories and, and playing a Tiffy before she kind of had the love of the muse, right? Before she met what beauty was, and was very, she was a lot, a lot different. She was a, a lot sharper of a person because she didn't have this thing that she'd fallen in love with. Uh, and now there's. there's 
Tiffy as she is now being like, Justice is cool, Pretty is also cool, um, I'm just kind of floating along and we'll see where it goes. Uh, and there's a version of Tiffy that is much more confident in her beliefs and, and has a better understanding of her beliefs. But I think that version of Tiffy is still quite a way away. Uh, but having, having been able to play the Tiffy from the Backdoors episode, it's really interesting looking at that question and being like, yeah, no, as a, as a person, she's got a long way to go, but she's come a pretty long way as well. Mm. I, I similarly think for Bass, it's he has less of a specific driving force up until very recently. Um, in, in that his, his growth, I think, will, is currently on, on the path of being more of a spatial thing, where uh, he's left his home that he's been at the ho his whole life in the circus to then go out and experience the, the wider world. But it's not, too, it's not quite like in the ways of Lylas to try and understand yourself better, because base is always, as far as I can, I can try and... Um, put forward as, as, a, as a player, he's, already, he's been confident in who he is, because he has to be, because he's the elephant man, and like, <laughs> I, I'm not going to shy away um, from the world, because that, that doesn't do, do anything for anyone. So he's, he's very sort of set and confident in, in him, so he wants to then effect and be affected by the wider world um, of things that he hasn't come across yet. And, and uh, he now has a, an impetus to go to the moon, so that's fun. Um, but as far as like his growth on an adventure, it's about um, helping others as best he can. I would, I think it would, I would enjoy it very much um, for Bass to take on a bit of a, a group dad type of mm. role. I think he'd, he'd be very good at that. So um, yeah, it's less about sort of, yeah, personal growth, so to speak, but um, more environmental, if that makes sense. I think Hazel uh, obviously came into the party with an extremely clear goal. Um, and I think it's funny that now that goal has kind of been achieved in the second arc. You know, obviously they have to go home and, and get their house. But um, so I think for her, it's a journey of becoming less selfish, which is sort of odd for the healer and the one who's like, I heal people. That's my whole thing. Like she says to Lila, it's like, I, I have to help people. But um, realizing that. Um, Aside, you know, she she can do more than just um, you know heal people in her in her street, um, and that she can do more than that. And that part of and kind of accepting that part of her that wants to, I think, it was one of the one of the things we've always kind of got across was that, or at least to me, was that vibe of Hazel's like, oh, you have to pay me to heal you. Like in the back door, is it's literally a plot point. These two guys turn up, mm -hmm. uh, and you're like, you, you got to give me something. When they can't, you're like, oh, whatever. And and her accepting that she is. She does want to help people. She does want to do good, and she's allowed to want to do those things. Yeah, I think, prob and it probably comes from from her upbringing, from being an orphan, is she she doesn't want to accept that like softer, more vulnerable part of her. She's like, mm. no, 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 I I do something for you, you do something for me, and having to acknowledge because of the wider party that that um, she does actually want to help, and and it, it's not like a begrudging obligation. She she does actually want to do it. Yeah. I feel like I already answered this question. Yeah, really. that's, that's, I'm that's not sure. Oh, it's really. In, oh, I'm looking forward to the next one because it'll be real interesting yeah. to see what that conversation is going to be. Nice. I think that's. Uh, we have a bunch more questions, but I think we've probably we could be here all night, but we'll secret squirrel those away for next time around. Um, so one final question. Um, you 
Yeah, let's 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 do it there. Let's go with that, Josh. Let's talk about something um, that we're excited for going forward. It could be character based. It could be could be about the show. Um, what what are we what are we what are we hyped for going forward? Because this has been an episode where we've really our most recent episode. It's all laid out in front of us. Mm. Um, we could go wherever we want. Um, we could do whatever we want. We've sort of been given license to like a pretty heavy quest, but a lot of different ways we can go about doing it. Um, what sort of things are, we, are our characters or players excited to do? We've kind of got, a, we're a lot more of a group now, mm -hmm. I think. And so seeing how the group interacts in people's homes, like like we're going to Binders Brook, and then we're going to Farmer's Rest, and, and then how the group acts, again, in a place with less structure than, um, oh, what's it called? The place we've just come from, Clan School, that's it. Mm. Um, Clan School, whereas like, as Clan School, we turned up as a group, we did all the things as a group and we did the games and we were there for a reason. But like when we go to these these villages and towns and cities and our goal is a bit more nebulous, what is that how does that work as for us as individuals? How does that work for us as a group? Like, that's what I'm kind of excited about. The 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 exploring your character's role in the game and the group in more of these like wilder settings, I guess. Mm -hmm. Mine is, it's super simple. I, it was an answer to the first question of this evening and it, it's going to be the answer to the end, yeah. the last question. It's for me, elephants in the moon. <laughs> Pretty obvious, but uh, I'm, I, I'm very interested to see where that goes. We're all looking forward to our Spelljammer arc. Yeah. <laughs> so that was my answer. I'm looking forward to reading the Spelljammer rules. <laughs> I am very excited for the moment when Eggate returns. Because oh, I know it's going fuck. to. I don't know how, and I don't know when, and I don't know why, but it is going to, and I'm both mm. tremendously excited and terrified. I'm just going to shoehorn another question here. I'm going to try and channel the energy that has been written in this question. <laughs> yeah. Do you care to explain yourself, young man? <laughs> <laughs> what on earth was Eggate about? <laughs> I will never tell you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think I said it in the episode. It'll pay off at some point. Yeah, it'll it'll yeah. be great for me. <laughs> I'm excited for stakes. I feel like we had we had Pollen Sweep. We had the Valkyrie games. Like um, for a player, I really enjoy when sort of the stakes are high. When death is something that could happen to our players, and we have to deal with the consequences of that. Yeah. Um, I'm really excited for to go to go big and for for Lightus to play in, in situations where there are real consequences to his actions. Because um, at the moment he's really just like he's pretty finger guns. He's pretty just like spells are fun and I do them. Um, but I think. Do I'm the ultimate warrior and that's all right. I think I'm like so excited to to um, to yeah play with you all who are very experienced D and D players. Take on some of the challenges Ryan's going to put in front of us um, and work as a team as characters and um, to overcome them and, and the beautiful character moments that are going to come out of that. I'm looking forward, just as, a, as an extra one, uh, to Buck Broadside being written as the ultimate warrior in Lyla's next book. Yes. <laughs> Go in a totally, like, you know, saying like character moments and stuff, as the person who doesn't care about mechanics and just wants to do character stuff, I'm actually really looking forward to the, the levelling and the mechanics of playing a cleric in an arc where we're dealing with like undeath, because yeah. that's sort of one of the things they're really good at, is dealing with the undead. and. Um, we're also at a level now where Hazel's got some um, pretty powerful stuff she can pull out and so I'm looking forward to those moments of being able to pull out you know, some, some pretty uh, iconic cleric third level spells. Um, yeah. Just on that, uh, the thing I'm excited for 
is for you to go back to places you've been now that time has passed, mm. uh, for you to reap the benefits of the people you've helped, and to see the consequences of the threads that you've not followed. <laughs> oh, listen, listen, listen. What was her name? Was it the Nadia? Poor donkey. Was it Neve? Yeah. She'll understand. Listen, she understands yeah. that or, sometimes you get caught up. Or understood. And my <laughs> pretty paladin girlfriend who thinks I'm great and doesn't think I'm a bobblehead at all is going to be great. Super dead. <laughs> and if she's not dead, she thinks I'm great and doesn't think I'm a bobblehead. I'm gonna... looking forward to getting back to a live show. Yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Yes. That's something I. I talked about how we were talking earlier about how nervous we were about doing them, and now it's like it's been six months or something since the last mm-hmm. one, and it's like, man, I just just want to do it again. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> Brody. Uh, yeah, probably just the same as Josh is getting back to a live show. There's just like this is great. I love doing the podcast and everything like that, but there, it does feel like there's like a little bit of that energy just kind of absent that the audience just brings and it like brings something out and everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Alrighty. Thank you all so much for your questions. Thanks everyone for being in the room and answering them. Thank you for running it for us, Johnny. Yeah. 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 Um, there, is, there is one last thing to do, which is we have to figure out who's going to win our signed posters. Um, so I have a list of names here and a dice in my hand. Uh, our first winner is Kate. Thank you so much, Kate. Um, one more drum roll, please. Our second winner is uh, where's the list here? Lakota. Yay! Very exciting. Um, so we'll get those out to you. We'll be in touch to um, to get your details and figure out how we can get those to you. Thank you all so much for your support and your questions. Um, yeah. So live shows. Uh, coming back so stay tuned for those details and we'd love to see you in person and the adventure will continue next month Saturday Nights is brought to you by me, Ryan Knighton, as your Dungeon Master, and is brought to life by the wonderful Tobias Lockhart as Chip Whiskey, Jess McLean as Hazel Golightly, Johnny Paul as Lilas Ruff, Joel Coots as Bass the Loxodon, Morgan Parker Corney as Theothania, aka Tiffy, and Josh Sharp as Nigel Anderson Newton Grimes, aka Nang. 
We're mixed by Brody Sharp on sound and our art is done by the wonderful Faye Morris at Bubble 7 underscore art on Instagram. Our theme song is by Tom McMiniman and each episode is recorded on the first Saturday of every month and released two weeks later. Thank you all so much for listening to the podcast and if you have any questions, tweet us at SatNightsNZ. The adventure will continue next month. Toby and I've got 30 seconds to tell you all about Valkyrie Games. We've got Pokemon, Yu-Gi-Oh and Magic to collect. Wargaming where you can paint figures to bring powerful armies to life. We run events in the play space, we can send those armies to war. We run dungeons, dragons and well everything in between. Make new friends and learn new ways to play fascinating new board games. Experience the world of Valkyrie Games on King Street. Opposite Yuko, open 7 days a week. Find us on Facebook. Valkyrie Games, your friendly local game store.